You relaxed, Rach? Pardon? You relaxed? Am I relaxed? Yeah. Yeah, I feel quite chillaxed. A couple, couple of weeks off. Yep. Enjoyed yourself? Revived. Revitalised? Um, go that far. Okay. Hugh, what about you? I'm, in, I'm going. I'm there. I'm in the zone. Are you? Yes. <laughs> okay. Very much so. You look poised like a uh, panther. Oh ready. Yeah, I am, yeah. Ready. I'm probably at my peak. I would say. <laughs> this is bad. <laughs> what about you? This is oh, as yeah, good I'm as good. it gets. I'm good. Stressing a bit. Hoping this all works. It's going to work. Let's go. You're listening to The Real Reading Podcast. We apparently live in a society where people who go to festivals need to be told that putting their sleeping bags down the toilet is not a, not a very good idea. Did you ever watch that programme uh, Hunted on Channel yes. 4? Yes, that Did was you brilliant. you see the yes. one where the guy came out of Reading Station yeah. and chased him all through Reading, yeah. all along the canal, and eventually caught him the funny Yes, ground. that was brilliant. Hello. Hello. Still, I thought you might have, while we've been off, I thought you might have practised that, Hugh. Shush, I'm Let's Hugh do it Ford. again. <laughs> I'm Rachel Nemeth. <laughs> and I'm Tom Canning, and welcome to episode 68 of the Real Berkshire podcast. Just kidding. We're still real ready. Oh, you got me there. And me, yeah, I was about to lambast you for getting it wrong. I don't know anything about Slough. I can't join in with that. <laughs> Uh, we're back after a short break to recharge our batteries, and what do you know? Santa has come early and delivered some new podcast equipment to us. Just please bear with us while we work out how it all works. Yeah. Um, yes. We now each have a microphone. We do indeed. I was, we we were mocking Tom earlier on. For, I think the followers on Twitter may have seen him, may have seen this picture of him looking totally confused with what what looks like a mini sound sound deck thing, like you have in the proper studios. Did you feel like a pro? I did, and I'm still confused. Still confused. It's probably going to be informed in a minute that we're not actually plugged into anything, <laughs> and we're all just talking Recorded quietly. nothing. Oh, it's definitely recording. Um, what you will probably hear now is exactly how much Hugh fidgets throughout the entire podcast. It's a lot. It is, it is. Um, and I just want to say, did you notice something at the start of the pod, everybody? It was a Radio 210 FM jingle, which gives you a little clue as to this week's special guest. Uh, Radio 210 historian and enthusiast, Barry Denton. Uh, he said he wasn't a historian, but I think when you know that much about an old radio station, you're definitely a historian. It's 210, 210. so we're going right, like, like way, way back. Way back. Like pre-210 FM. Exactly, um, and he's furnished me with some absolute belters that you will be rocking along to. So have a listen to this. For beds in Reading, the place to be heading is Reading Bedding. Reading Bedding in Cressingham Road off Shinfield Road. Reading Bedding for better beds at better prices. Remember, Reading Bedding. While we let that sink in, <laughs> here's Jeremy with how you can get in touch with us. Get in touch with the team. Find us on Twitter at Real Reading Pod and search Facebook and Instagram for Real Reading Podcast. You can also email getreading at reachplc.com. See, something's never changed. Jeremy is still here. Jeremy's still here. Why do those those ads are like the worst earworms, aren't they? They just you yeah, could not go- hear it for ten years and I you hate, still know every word to I it. I hate to say it, Rach, but that is the point. I know, it's, I suppose it's good good <laughs> marketing. Go to Reading Bedding. We sell. Go to Reading Bedding. We sell beds. What's marvellous, and you won't have seen this. I still have to tell Hugh to speak into the microphone, even though he's holding it. Well, he's holding it like he's about to eat it like an ice cream. Well, I'm actually holding record- it like a pundit after uh, <laughs> after Champions League game on BT, on BT Sport, I think. He's oh, also I- doing this wonderful thing where he's talking over it, whereas Rach and I, two karaoke vets, are actually kind <laughs> of going straight into it. It's been a while since we've uh, it has it has we probably karaoke'd. Should- you should make the most of it because when I'm running this country, it's going to be banned. <gasps> it's awful. And People who can sing should sing. People who can't sing should not. What? Suggesting that Tom and I cannot. I think it was. I I think heard, a, there was a little slight in there, wasn't there? Having heard both of you sing, you're among the better karaoke singers I've heard. Mm. However, there are dubious. Having some of my mates who do like doing karaoke are awful. So no one wants to hear that. 
I don't know about you, Rach, you obviously you haven't got headphones at the moment. I have. And what I can tell is that even getting Hugh to speak into it, you can just hear all of his muffled voice. Is it the beard? I think it might be. I think it's got to go. <laughs> Never. Okay, so um, <laughs> we thought uh, while we were going to allow Rach to do her bit of research for Fact of the Week, we thought we would get Berkshire Live's newest reporter, Liz Macleod to tell us a little bit about Reading's Pride event, which is happening this weekend. Hey, Liz. Hiya. So, Pride is this weekend. Pride? Pride. Okay. Pride, which is all about being really proud of yourself and celebrating diversity um, and the LGBTQ plus community. And they're all coming together here on Saturday. And what happens? Um, well, all sorts. There's all sorts of different things planned for the day. So it's all kicking off with the with the annual parade, which ends up in um, King's Meadow. That's where it ends up. What day is it, Liz? It's on Saturday. Saturday. So um, they um, the parade's kicking off from the Broad Street Mall. Mall? Mall. Can we get a... Uh, I'd call it a mall. <laughs> um, well, well, the shopping centre in Broad Street. Um, and they're leaving at about 11.15 and then going all the way through the town centre before they end up in, in the field. So that should be loads and loads of fun, as it is every year. And you're going along, aren't you? Yes, I am. I'm very excited. I've already got all my glitter ready <laughs> um, and flowers and stuff. So, yeah, it should be a really, really good day. And this is your first Reading Pride? Yes, yeah. I've been to Pride events sort of, well, all over the place, really. Um but yeah, this will be the, my first time seeing what the hell they do it in Reading. So I'm quite and excited. it finishes up down, is it Hills or Kings Meadow? I it's it's get Kings confused. Meadow. And then throughout the day, they've got all sorts of different stalls and different activities. They've got a family area as well. So everyone can go along and, and have a really good fun day and support the event, which is as well. Is there any bit in particular you're really looking forward to? Um, there well after the after the parade once it ends up in the field there are all sorts of different sort of um, um, acts that are going to be on stage throughout the day um, so I'm sure I remember off the top of my head now but um, there you know there are going to be some drag artists and singer songwriters performing as well um, so there's nobody in particular I can think of that I want to see I do want to see some of the comedy that's playing because that will be really really good fun. Great, thank you, Liz, for popping along and telling us all about Reading's Pride event. Cool. It's uh, Fact of the Week time. Can I, before Fact of the Week, can I just reiterate to anyone who got a bit confused, it obviously starts at the butt centre. <laughs> Everybody knows what <laughs> yeah. that is. Yes. The butt centre. Tom? What? As a Bracknell, Bracknellite, you know what he's... I know what he's talking, yes, I know good. the butt centre. I thought as we were listening to 1990s radio jingles, we'd go, we'd go old school and start calling <laughs> things by their old names. I'm going to have a marathon later on. <laughs> a Snickers, rather than any running. <laughs> I really have nothing to add to this. Um, okay, thanks guys. Fact of the week time. Reading Fact of the Week. time for Rachie's Fact of the Week. Rachie, have you done some research? Of course I have. Would expect nothing less. Um, okay, research done. What have we got, Rach? Well, I thought I'd go a bit topical and seen as it was Reading Festival yes. last weekend. Uh, so I thought we'd talk about that a little bit. Okay, sounds good to me. Um, I didn't go in. <laughs> uh, my four-year-old son was very keen. Um, I wasn't keen Big Foos fan. Yeah, massive, massive. Uh, so on the Saturday night, we did actually walk down uh, down the river towards Tilehurst so that we could kind of get some of the atmosphere and hear some of the music and stuff. That was enough for him for now, <laughs> for perhaps another 12 years, hopefully. Yes. Um, but yeah, what I wanted to look at was um, like the first Reading Festival compared to... Oh, okay. This year's Reading Festival. When was the first one? Well, the first one in Reading was in 1971. Okay. It was previously somewhere else. I've forgotten somewhere else. <laughs> and it started life as a as, as a jazz festival Okay. Um, in the early 60s. And then in 71, it moved to Reading to the site where it still is, down in Richfield Avenue. Uh, and guess how much a weekend ticket was? Three quid. Not bad. Hugh? Seven quid. 
two pounds. Two pounds. Two little pounds. Two. Uh, what? So in For today's the whole money. Weekend. What's that in grown-up oh, today money? Like shillings and things. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Surely um, in today's money, it's about two hundred and eighty quid, which is what it costs now. Possibly, yeah, yes. Possibly. <laughs> yeah. But I think two pounds is two quid. Yeah. Sounds better. I Do you know you could get a lot for those in those days, yeah. though, couldn't you? But it, you um, some of the, I mean, the first couple of years that it was in Reading, they had some really big names playing. I mean, how famous these guys were at that point in time, <laughs> I don't know. But Genesis played and Status Quo and um, Rod Stewart was there with the Faces, Lindisfarne, and there, so there was. For a new festival, there was quite a few few big acts. Um, and in the mid-80s, when there was a Conservative council in, they banned it for two years. I did read about this, yes. In 84 and 85, and then they wanted to build on that bit of land there. Uh, and then Labour came back into power, and they went, no, as part of our... Like our promises, we will bring the festival back, and it's been there ever since. Magnificent, yeah. It's just grown and grown. It's grown and grown. So this year was a record attendance. What do you reckon? I'm full of questions today. Uh, How many do you reckon? <laughs> I didn't do any revising, but 150,000. Oh, it's, it's too close to 200,000, isn't it? No, 105. Oh. apparently. Is that all? Yeah. Oh, felt like Whether more. that's like weekend attendees and then there's additional day trippers i don't know but that was what was uh i found on the tinterweb as a new record and uh weekend ticket now not two pounds anymore guys uh 222 pounds <laughs> for the weekend but there's some really massive names playing there i mean i will be honest being that i'm elderly now i haven't heard of most of them no me either but i know the Foo fighters <laughs> Uh, we could hear it from my house, and it, it was good. Um, and beyond that, I was a bit, a bit lost. I think actually it's pretty good value. You say two hundred and twenty odd quid for the weekend, but people turn up on Thursday morning, so that's four, fifty quid a day for the four for the four days at the festival. It's not, it's not too shabby, is it? For uh, to see, not really to do everything that's going on there. And you would probably pay if you just went to a a, a gig for one artist somewhere you'd easily pay 50 quid for that um, these days yes and somebody said the Foo Fighters were on for about three hours on Sunday oh, really? which is I mean that's ages that's a lot of songs that is a lot of songs um, wow they do they have also, that many songs though. that's they a bit did. better than when Guns N' Roses played there and they, they were an hour, an hour and a half late <laughs> or something and they, they got the plug pulled on them after about 45 yeah. minutes yeah Axel wasn't happy no, neither were the uh, neither neither fans. fans. Wait for so long. It's quite <laughs> sort of reading through the history over the years. It's quite a a feisty festival, I think sometimes. And uh, there was a lot of. And this year, uh, so and so got pelted with cans and had to leave the stage. <laughs> and then when Fifty Cent was on, he got pelted with bottles was it, of um, urine Daf- and had to leave. Or something the great like act God. of the past, uh, Daphne and Celeste. Oh yeah. They um, prompted a positive reaction from the thousands and thousands of rock fans mm-hmm. <laughs> they they went down really well well it sort of seems to be changing direction the last few years hasn't it that it's sort of less rocky and more they have a lot more variety I, I would say yeah variety what the youngsters want I well, guess well yes they're the ones that are paying them or mum and dad are paying the money my only complaint about the festival uh, being that I live in Caversham and sort of am in the thick of it, is that it just makes me feel ancient <laughs> seeing the people that are going. Uh, I just look around and I now look at them with mum eyes and go, you're yeah. not wearing that. <laughs> <laughs> the thing, okay, right, back off, Rach. They're not your responsibility. Well, we could look forward in a few years' time, Rach, to seeing you dri- driving Zach, Zach off, dropping him off and... Telling him, don't drink too much, you know, don't take any drugs, but have a great time. And then then you're looking terrified as he wanders off with his massive rucksack. (laughs) That's just the same as when I drop him at nursery now, isn't it? Massive rucksack, no drugs, no No beer. (laughs) You just, with a can of dark fruits in his back pocket. Yes. (laughs) But Ribena at this stage. Yeah. That very much seems to be the drink of choice when I 
made what was a slight error in going into Sainsbury's in Friar Street during the... the uh, I did see a lot of people carrying crates of that. Crates of dark fruit. Mm. That's, the, uh, that's the drink of choice. God, there were a lot of people in Sainsbury's. Gee whiz. Yeah, gee whiz. <laughs> you sounded like an Edid Blyton <laughs> book. <laughs> cool, great. Thank you for latest fact of the week, Rach. Um, that's the end of part one. In part two, we'll be back with Fort Explains It All and our big interview. This is Fort Explains It All. Hugh, you've got a uh, something to explain to us. Is it Reading Festival related, by chance? It is, yes, because uh, Reading Borough Council are still on their holes, so <laughs> no, nothing's happening. They are back very soon, but at the moment, um, I say nothing's happening. Obviously, things are happening, but there's, there's it is a little bit quieter than normal for council. But have I set, I've set you up quite nicely then. Right, yes. See, we're seamlessly uh, yeah. transitioning. You're welcome. It is like you've sat in the same room all day. But I um, also have some uh, fascinating festival facts. Cool, go for it. And this is about what gets what has been put down the toilet at this oh, year's we, festival. Oh, we did this last year, didn't we? And it was, was it a tent and a sleeping bag? Uh, last year we did the... Yeah, the, uh, basically they give us a warning. They plead with people not to go into the festival, not to put their tents, sleeping bags, <laughs> etc., down the toilets. But as always, that warning does not seem to have been heeded because I've got a little uh, little release from them, just uh, from Thames Water, just saying um, what they found. Go for it. So items included an inflatable horse. <laughs> Sorry, these are all going right. to make me laugh. <laughs> a child's doll. Oh. Um, wigs. Okay. Yeah. Wellies. Uh, right. Underwear. Um, okay. And then, of course, wallets. Oh. Mobile phones. And standard, as normal, tents. <laughs> was it a very tense situation? I imagine it was. I imagine it was. I got the joke then. Thank you. That I deserved a bigger laugh. Like I didn't. Yeah. Um, how much sewage is collected from Reading Festival over the, over the course of the... Uh, Think, oh. big. think big are we talking tonnage tons uh, litres litres not tons oh, oh I don't know how much a litre how much is it how big is a litre making me feel a bit queasy yeah um, oh, 300,000 litres no more oh. more than a million litres no less oh half a million litres no more 750,000 litres <laughs> correct yes yes, yes. 750,000 litres of sewage was collected and um, so there's basically a team of tankers which go back and forward, back and forward from the festival, um, collecting everyone's poo and wee. I hope no <laughs> one's listening to this at dinner time. Numbers one and two. Number, yeah. And well, what's interesting is that then that they are able to use the sewage from Reading Festival to help power the Reading Sewage Works. Reading Sewage Works use to power it. Power it. Yes. It's a. Thames Water spokesman said, sewage sludge is, is an energy-rich resource with a high calorific content which we extract as biogas and use to generate electricity. They use biogas to power a lot of the buses, don't they? Waste not, want not, as they say. <laughs> oh, gosh. I think on that note, so, unless you've got anything else to add. No, but, well, generally the advice still is to everyone, and I don't really understand why people have to be told this, don't put your tent down the toilet. We were talking earlier as well about the bands, weren't we? The entrance Oh yes. Bands. The, the, was the that when, maybe when you were the, out, Hugh? Oh, the wristbands and all the, the wristband thing. So people wear them um, as like a badge of honour for months and months after the festival. Look, I was at the festival. Look, I've got my bracelet on still. Thing. Yeah. They are basically, you might as well have a disgusting Petri dish tied to your arm because... They have got E. coli and all sorts of Marvelous. mankiness in. Yeah. Do and you it was, I think the stat, because they, I think it must have been last year, they took one of the bands uh, to some science guy up at the <laughs> university, I can't remember what his name was, a doctor, and he analysed it and said that the, the wristband basically had about 200 times more bacteria than an item of clothing Lovely. As on it. So, pl- nice. you know, just, you know, perhaps keep it somewhere safe, but not on you. <laughs> oh, because it can cause boils. 
Yeah. So, <laughs> so that's nice. Yeah. It's pretty, it's pretty disgusting being a river festival, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure it's tremendous fun. I think though. just standing by the river and listening from afar with no wristband, like yeah, I did, is yeah. much safer. You could just make your own wristband and, like, then yeah. pretend. Yeah. And then people would say, Aren't you a bit old for Reading Festival? <gasps> and I'll say, I'm here to pick up my son. <laughs> You're never too old for Reading Festival. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, now it's time for our interview with Barry Denton. 210 Hello everyone and welcome to our first interview of, uh, I don't know, it's not, we're certainly not a new series or anything like that, we're just a continuation. Um, I'm here with Barry Denton, who, uh, Barry, you are a radio enthusiast, historian, what are we, what are we calling you? Um, probably somewhere between a geek and um, <laughs> yeah, the radio too, and our enthusiast certainly, and local radio around Reading really. So you're, you've come in because you set up a website sometime about a year ago. We first started talking, I think maybe six months ago, and it's taken that long for me to get my stuff together, for want of a better word, and get you to come in and talk to us. But you set up a website called uh, what was it called? What's the website called? So it's uh, www.radio210.co.uk. It's, it's a website of nostalgia about um, the the. the Town of Reading's radio station. Can we let's just, just clear something up? 210, 210? Uh, I suppose 210 because it was that for the most part right. of its history, and most people of a certain age would moan if we call it 210. <laughs> <laughs> Being Do, diplomatic. Is it, is it, so is there two camps? So there's a, is there a 210 camp and a 210 camp? Is it? Do they do they have do they meet and scrap in the back streets of Calcutt? <laughs> Thankfully, I don't think there's been any wars on it. But um, <laughs> but certainly, yeah, you do get some people that say it was always two one zero and two ten oh, okay. was when it when it died. I think it was just given another few years before it died at that point. Right. So oh, so so you would consider once once so you wouldn't consider Hearts currently a continuation of it or anything like that. It's not the not the same spirit. Um, I mean, Hart kept the studios at Calcutt running for another yeah. 10 years, so it was a continuation of sorts. But um, yeah, at that point, it was more of a networked station rather than a sort of local a yes. local home. So what, what is it about Radio... What is it about 210? Uh, hang on, let me, let's start again. Is it Radio 210? 210 FM? What, 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 would, what's the, what, would, what would you call it? I think 210 is a nice generic name. It was what it was most remembered yes. as, I think. So, so, so what is it about 210 that... that really interests you, Barry? Um, like I say, I'm a bit of a geek with a lot of things, a bit of an obsessive. Um, I used to listen all the time as a kid. Yeah. And in fact, there's a few recordings, because I had that kind of ego as a kid, um, <laughs> of me doing phone-ins and talking to some of the presenters of the 80s, like, um, like Graham Ledger and Graham Rogers. Yeah. Um, really became interested. It was, um, it was a career I didn't actually pursue, um, but I still kept these recordings and sort of little bits of memorabilia. So, um, yeah, it was that that eventually led to me coming up to the website. Okay, so, and, and so, so you've managed to, to trans, transfer this, this, so I guess it was probably taped. So when, so when kids were doing, uh, kids were taping the, the top ten on radio, when you were busy taping phone-ins on, on 210, is that right? That's right, I, I, did do a, <laughs> I did do a bit of both, to be honest with you. Okay. I, did, I used to have loads of tapes of, like, that first couple of seconds of Bruno Brooks's voice yeah. at the end of a song as well, but... Uh, yeah, I didn't take as much to it as I'd like to have done, but uh, yeah, captured a sample over the years. Fantastic. So um, I remember you got in touch with us because we, on a podcast a long, long time ago, were talking about the adverts that used to be on local radio. And I remember you telling me that you had some um, and, and listeners of today's podcast will be hearing those a little bit throughout the podcast as I attempt to sprinkle them in with this new technology that we've got. So we will we'll have a listen to some of those. What was your favourite one, though? Do you remember? Um, I think, as you'd mentioned previously on the podcast, Reading Bedding was always a yes. memorable one. It just tripped off the tongue and yeah. you could just say it, you know, completely as, you know, word for word, normally from memory. Um, but there were a few others. Um, yeah, Berkshire Fiesta Centre was always quite catchy. <laughs> um, another one I've got is the Downs and Newbury advert with a very catchy oh, tune as well. Was it Laff- Lafford and Levy as well was another one, wasn't it, if I remember rightly? That was another one, yes. I'm trying to find that one at the moment. But oh, OK. Yet. But so I remember it. our old. Um, it was quite a quite a cool thing for someone who grew up in in this part of the world when we moved when the when the reading when the get reading office moved to Thiel for a short period of time the Arlington Business Park. There's actually the, the, you can just it backs on to the Lafford and Levy I guess either showroom or warehouse and it's like oh I know that I know that yeah and it, it was it was quite something it's it's in a way that no one else around me really understood but I I did 
and it's because it was just there ingrained in my memory of, as, as, as that what it was. Um, so I, I suppose what talk us through what a what a typical day on two one oh was like. Who was on it? What were the, were the were any famous faces? Um, yeah, I mean, first of all, if we start with the famous faces, um, two one oh was um, home to many uh, famous famous names over the years. Uh, the very first presenter was a guy called Paul Hollingdale, who most people of my age and younger wouldn't know, but um, he was the guy who launched Radio Two the same right. day as Tony Blackburn launched Radio One. Um, others over the years, so Mike Reed, uh, he started on 210, that was his first ever job in radio. This isn't the same guy that was in EastEnders? No, this is, no, this is, this is pop quiz, <laughs> yes, Mike Reed, yes. yeah, Radio 1 Mike Reed. Um, and also famously, another guy who was just starting his career, uh, I think it was a year or two into it, was a guy called Steve Wright. Oh, really? And um, they famously did a show together um, at the weekends, and I think during the week, called um, The Read and Write Show. <laughs> it was uh, quite a legend, apparently, in the 70s. Um, I've managed to get half an hour of Steve Wright on his own now, with their jingles, yeah. but not with Mike Reed yet. But again, I think there's one on the way from somewhere. Oh, wow. Okay. So, so what a typical day then. What was a what, how did that run in front? So, when you when you were younger, what what was it you were listening to in the morning? Um, so, my dad used to do a very early morning job about two o'clock in the morning. Yeah. So, I used oh, wow. to listen to a show called Nightlife, which was on overnight, uh, with a guy called Graham Rogers, who um, ended up doing TV as well and uh, moving all over the place on the radio. Um, used to do a few phone-ins then as well. Um, used to listen on that, and then. Um, and it used to be Graham Ledger in the morning with breakfast, or Ledgy Breck as he'd call it. Remember that <laughs> one? Is, is the t-shirt you're wearing anything to do with that at all? No, that's just coincidental. Oh. <laughs> I just thought I'd oh, two when I was a legend. So. Yes. But yeah, it, yeah, I could actually send that to him now. Um, and then mid-morning you'd have somebody else taking over the show. Um, at its peak in the late 80s it was um, David Hamilton, Diddy David Hamilton, yeah. as most as some people will remember him. Um, and then you'd have an afternoon show um, with a variety of people, uh, people like Mike Matthews, um, who was there from the very start at Two One Zero. And then you'd have like an evening, uh, like a drive time show. Um, and there was a variety of people that presented that over the years. I think Stuart McIntosh, many people won't remember, did that. Um, and then they'd have some specialist shows in the evening. So like one evening, and it might be a classical music show. And, um, I think it was Sangeet for the Asian community and also another legendary show at the time was um, Afro-Caribbean Eye right. with Trevor Small so as it suggests it so, was an Afro-Caribbean show so the, the, that's almost like a, 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 an early but rare example of a of a radio station kind of or, or even a, me, a local media kind of doing something for its entire diverse population that's I didn't even realize that was that was something that, that used to happen yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've had the uh, privilege of meeting Trevor Small uh, recently. He's still based in the Reading area. Um, he's got quite a few of his tapes, studio tapes, to for me to try and convert eventually. <laughs> um, and yeah, he mentioned at the time it was the, uh, I think it was the only Afro-Caribbean specialist programme on the radio, certainly in the south of the UK. Wow. Yeah. I, I mean, that's fantastic. I think it's, that's not from, from, from when I was growing up, when it was more 210. Um, and I believe it was spelt out with a 10, wasn't it? I think, if I remember rightly. Yeah. I, I would have had no idea that that was something. You know, that, I mean, that's, that's practically pioneering territory, really, isn't it? I think. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, 210, um, it wasn't one of the first local radio stations on there, but it was, I think it was number nine, I think, or something right. like that, if I remember rightly. And yeah, they did try to pioneer sort of more community-based radio, more accessibility, and like you say, that diversity of yeah. shows. I mean, they did big band music as well. They <laughs> famously did some concerts from um, the Hexagon. Yeah, wow, um, okay. All kinds of stuff, yeah. So, it um, brings us, I think, nicely on to like, how it all began. Do you, what do you know about how 210 started? When did it start? Because that's something, I, I mentioned to you before the podcast, I've really shamefully had absolutely no time to research anything of what we're going to talk about. So we're kind of, I'm doing this a little bit on the fly. But So tell me a little bit about, if you can, how 210 started. Yeah, sure. Um, so it first came on air on the 8th of March, 1976. I had to read that again this morning <laughs> to remember. Um, as I say, Paul Hollingdale launched it, who literally a few years earlier had launched Radio 2. Um, it was initially going to be brought together by a group of local businessmen under the name of Radio Kennett. Right. Um, and then, unfortunately, that fell through. Uh, and I believe it was News International in the end, owners of the Sun. So the, the rivals, yes. I know, but... Yeah. Oh, um, no, 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 not at all. No, just <laughs> colleagues. They have, they have no regional newspapers, so I... That's true, so we, we, we can worry them out. 
we can live them. Even if even if they were, if they started the radio station, then they started the radio station. That's that's the way it is. Yeah, absolutely. So apparently they they bought us out forty five percent shareholding to save the company at the right. time. Um, so yeah, say so it went on air. Um, and the um, the first guy to set up the station was a guy called um, Neil French Blake, who's sadly no longer with us, but. Um, he had a real passion to get the station set up, mm. and apparently he was the sort of guy who approached a lot of people to take part. Uh, he was very keen on having a cricket team for 2-0, <laughs> and um, according to Mike Reed's autobiography, um, yeah, that was one of the reasons he was approached, actually. He wanted somebody who could do radio, who could also play cricket. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> so do, why, why did it start? Because at the time you would have had BBC Berkshire, wouldn't you? You would have had, uh, well, I suppose BBC Berkshire, I guess. Why, why did they start it? Um, so no, in the seventies there was no. Well, there were BBC local radio stations yeah. around the country, but I think the nearest to Reading would have been Radio Oxford. Okay. So, um, but there was a wave of independent local radio stations starting from I think it was nineteen seventy four or seventy five. I think I started. Sorry, seventy three. Get that right. Um, and there was licenses advertised in different locations around the UK at the time. So one came up for Reading and Thames Valley. Um, okay. So say a lot of local businessmen and uh, other media enthusiasts got together to uh, raise the money okay and and so because of course they were, they were it, how long was it 210 for uh if i remember rightly it became 210 fm in 1989 so it kind of started changing already yeah and that was because by then 210 was the medium wave frequency more people listening on fm yes okay and they split um they split the frequencies as well they brought in another station on medium wave uh, called Classic Gold. I remember Classic Gold. Yeah. That was uh, that was uh, what my mum and dad used to listen to in the car, and yeah. that's yeah, the hits of the sixties. Was it hits of the sixties, seventies, and eighties, or something like that? That was it. That's absolutely. Oh, right. I miss Classic Gold badly. <laughs> yeah, sadly that got merged in with a few other stations. Along it, was the way. Only, it was only until recently that there was still a Classic Gold. There wasn't there. I think it wasn't. Maybe maybe eighteen months ago. I'm sure that it was still on DAB at least. Um, I'm not sure. I know the the format existed on. Medium wave with two and O was right. um, merged with a station called Gold. Um, that was a few years back, but there may have been a separate digital station. Yeah, was it ten eighty nine? Is that was that was that the medium? Was it ten eighty nine? Ah, yeah, I think that was Radio One. No, I think you're thinking you're, you're uh, on the Radio no, One camp. No, 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 I'm sorry, well, <laughs> no, certainly never have been. But yeah. just. Uh, but it was 1431. 1431, There we go. And, 14, and 1485. That's how you know, sad I am. <laughs> but you say that, but I did know that. I knew that, and I just yeah, 1080. Yeah, you're right. Of course, you're right. You're the you're the you're, the, you're our expert on local radio. Um. So yeah. So so through all of that, then obviously it changed to this 210, which became I think a bit more of a commercial thing. Do you know what happened there? How did what? Why did that come about? Was, was and I guess a, a precursor to that question is what what were the what were the listening figures for for 210? Um, I must admit, I haven't researched listening figures, but that is perhaps another thing to delve into. Actually, I, I like the sound of that. But um, it was it was a very popular station. Yeah. As I say, up until the early 90s, there was no competition local uh, from BBC. As I say, yeah. that didn't launch till 91, I think something like that. Okay. Um, so it used to get very huge listening figures. They used to do um, certainly good revenue. They certainly made a profit. Um, did well after the first two or three years. Um, what kind of happened then, though, was, um, first of all, actually, they were doing well, and they merged with another station in Bournemouth, uh, or kind of bought them out. Yeah. Um, so they were still flying high. But uh, around the late 80s, there was a group that was emerging that were buying up loads of other local radio stations, which is the precursor to Global, who now okay. own almost everything. Yeah. Um, so they bought out Radio 210, or 210 FM as it was then. I think it was the late 80s, very early 90s. Um, and then it became uh, that's when it became two ten FM. Uh, it became part of a of like yeah. a, um, a national corporate um, branding almost, but on a local scale. Yeah. And because my, my my big memories are uh, of listening to two ten was the days it was snowing, uh, and, and listening and waiting for the schools to be read out. And my school was never on that list. It was a hardy school. We we just did. It was never on that list. So, and but obviously at that point, as you say, it kept, became more of a commercial. A commercial point is it was that fair to because I remember they, they used to have the, the big black jeeps didn't they that used to go around and turn up at fates was it with thunders or something like that I seem to remember that's right the black thunders yes that's, that's it, it yes yeah so they, they had those they had those running around and they and they would kind of turn up at fates and all sorts of things to promote the thing 
Um, but because the, the the odd thing, I suppose, being someone who, who didn't grow up in Reading and but then coming into Reading, going down the A4 and realizing that that was where the radio studio was, radio studio was that that was quite a quite a, a crazy thing. And then to, to sort of go down and see it's basically a house. Have you have you been inside that? Had you been inside that studio? Uh, yeah, I'd been inside the original studios, although they did get rebuilt again in the early 90s. Right. Um, so now it looks like a great big office building, a yes. bit more like an industrial <laughs> building. Um, but yeah, the original studios, I got the privilege of sitting in with Rob Jones on the Breakfast Club in the late 80s. Um, and then recently, I hadn't been there for many years, but uh, as part of setting this up, I got invited in. And I sit in the studios of Hart, as it is yeah. now, just before they closed at the end of May. So talking of closures, which obviously, you know, that, that building is no longer a radio centre, is it, I don't think? Uh, so it's been kept as a sort of corporate um, right. building for the group. Okay. But yeah, sadly, the studios are now kind of There's closed no, off and yeah. shut down. There's no, nothing. So I, I'm imagining I, when, when um, Matt and Michelle, the breakfast hosts on Heart Thames Valley recently, when they left, whenever we published a story on the Get Reading website, we had an absolute deluge of comments about how sad it was. What, do, you, do you know what it was like back when 2.0 became 2.10 and then 2.10 became Heart? Was, it, was there a similar sort of outcry? Um, I think, certainly, I think when 2.10 became Heart, I think a lot of people complained because, again, it was suddenly, we didn't, although we had Heart, Thames Valley, a lot of shows were starting to get networked yeah. from London and people thought, this is not truly local. Um, in the same way now that there's nothing local from Reading yeah. uh, on, the, on that station now, unfortunately. Um, when it became 2.10, I must admit, I didn't like it so much because it felt like it was becoming less of the station it once was. Mm. But at the same time, of course, there's evolution. So I think yeah. for every person that didn't really, you know, stuck in the mud, stick in the mud like me yeah. that didn't want it to change to 210 and then Heart, there were probably other people who wanted something different and to listen to something different as well. That, it, it's, it's quite interesting because obviously we, we've gone through a bit of a change here. Uh, what was Get Reading is now Berkshire Live and we've been through quite a few changes in recent years as well. We, you know, we've, had, we've had similar similar things going on around that so I, I, can, I can kind of understand people, people don't like change but at the same time, uh, at times you have to kind of keep keep moving on and keep and keep going so and um, there obviously there was a there was a competitor for a short while wasn't there was it Ra- uh, radio uh, reading 107 i knew it would come back to me did that did that cause a, was that something you followed did that cause a problem at all um yes i did listen to reading 107 from time to time um it was quite interesting i've even got the first broadcast of that somewhere as well <laughs> you know i just take record everything um and i think it probably did take quite a few listeners and um and also some advertising away mm. because it's like anything there's only a certain amount of advertisers in the world that have got a certain amount to spend yeah. um, and of course if people tuned away they were tuning away mostly at the time from, well, either from 2.1 or 2.10 so I'll get yes. it right in that era um, or, or BBC Berkshire so it would have always diluted it a bit and of course, of course as you say sadly sadly you know the, the whole sort of local radio market has almost completely evaporated now aside from BBC Berkshire. Do you think that's something that might change, or or is or are there other ways of taking this forward? Um, I, th- I think the only way now, unless you unless we get a very nice businessman with hugely deep pockets who's happy to go and sort of set one up and take the risk, um, the option is community radio. Um, I know there's been one or two attempts at community radio over the years in Reading, um, and that would be so obviously not for profit. So it would be yeah. people volunteering and um, donating their time, and if someone was generous enough to give some space for them to do the shows um, and of course the other thing that can revolutionise that now is um, people can record shows or even do shows live from a laptop yes. from a computer <laughs> from their living room from a from their office wherever so that may be the potential moving forward if if enough people come together Barry uh, thank you very much for coming to see me um, it's been a pleasure to have you on our, as our first interview of not our new series but our new whatever this is um, thank you very much Thank you very Cheers. much, Tom. Thank you. Rise and shine with 210 That was Radio 210 historian and enthusiast Barry Denton who came to see us. Uh, Rach, Hugh, what do you remember about the station? Oh, gosh. Yeah, well, I was used to... Oh, I know, the obvious one. Go on. Graham Torrington's Late Night Love. <laughs> <laughs> classic to fall asleep to was that when it was 210 uh oh it could have been actually i might not be going back far enough i did ask uh, i did ask barry about whether there was like a, a big divide between the 210s and the 210s yep he said not really 
No. So it's a seamless yeah. transition. What my mum always used to say about 210FM is that to tune it in, all you need to listen to listen out for is a Phil Collins song. <laughs> <laughs> That's so true. If you come up to In the Air tonight, you found 210FM. I also remember the Black Thunders. Do you remember Yes, them? I did bring those oh, up yeah. in the interview, yes. Yeah, and uh, in the very distant past, Dave Lee Travis in the morning on 210FM. Was that the Harry oh, Cornflake? Yeah. The DLT. DLT, yeah. Mm. Uh-huh. Why, what do you remember? Uh, oh, well, as I said in the interview, all I remember is wait. The only thing I remember about 2.10 is waiting to be told if your school was closed when it snowed. That was it. That's all I've got. <laughs> Fond memories. Yes. Um, so I just thought uh, very quickly we would have another quick word from our sponsors. Forever at Berkshire Fiesta Centre. Come in and see us on the A4 between Reading and Newbury. Choose from our superb selection of top quality used cars. All our Fiestas are fully serviced and prepared, and we're so proud of their standard, we offer a full satisfaction guarantee for complete peace of mind. So whether you're buying or selling, ring Reading 712 167 or see Yellow Pages. What a lovely advert. Um, Rachel and Hugh have just been looking at me because I'm the only one that can hear the advert at the moment. What you were doing? Put, a, put us out of our misery. What? Yeah, what was Berkshire that? Fiesta. Oh. I would just like to reiterate to anybody listening to that advert, it is probably about 20 years old and anything contained within it uh, is no longer a thing. I think Berkshire Fiesta at Centre still exists though. Oh yeah, yeah, on the A4. Yes. Just outside the theatre, isn't it? Something like yes. Yeah, but I just want to reiter- reiterate. You get a new car for yeah for like nine hundred ninety nine pounds. That's yeah. probably not true now. Yeah, don't pop down there and ask. Although you know, you if you ask. like the the ad and the jingle, then then please you know jingle. Jingle them. Um, what's next? I can't remember. Uh, oh, it's everyone's favourite random question, and we have some new random <laughs> questions. <laughs> the random question. So who, who's go? I can't remember. Well, we were sort of starting fresh. I can't even fresh, remember yeah. who Why don't, why don't you pick one, Tom? Yeah. I can pick one. Yeah. Uh, okay. Can Hang you on. pick it's it? all change. Ooh. Okay, just undo it. There we go. What's it going to be today? Live unwrapping. Oh. Which park did you play at? Oh, easy. Easy? Yeah, because I, I was part of the Lee Road Park gang. So. Oh, I remember them. Yeah, they yeah. were big in the 80s. Yeah, uh, 70s. Lee Road in Sonning Common. Yeah, part of the Soco, as Hugh calls it. The Soco, yeah. The Soco SC, massive, as the originals call it. The Alice. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's. It, well, I mean, we. I must have spent at least of a third of my childhood in that park. What was good? At, what was so good about it? It was apart from it being close to your apart house. Apart from it being all sorts of awesome. Yeah, it was just over the road. Um, all my f- sort of. The gang, as it suggests, lived in Lee Road or the cul-de-sacs off of it. So we used to just, you get home from school, straight up the park, home at five for tea, obviously. Yeah. But then you could go back to the park until it got dark. Marvellous. So summer holidays was amazing. It had good play equipment and trees to climb and goalposts. Fantastic. Yeah, it was good. (laughs) Hugh, what about yours? What was yours? Big, massive shout out to the Burfield Wreck. <laughs> Anyone listening from Burfield will know exactly what I mean. They would have all spent a lot of time at the Wreck during their, their youth. I think Rachel might have been talking about a different age, though, when she used to go to the park. As oh, okay. Way, when I used to go to the Wreck. Cause I used slightly to to the older. Wreck when I was slightly older. Are you slightly older than Rach? No. Oh, that's weird. Um, well, I spent probably from like <laughs> five to 16, I was still <laughs> hanging out. Oh, this no, no, no. 16, I graduated onto a field with a bottle of water. Woodpecker. Oh. This is true. Well, <laughs> so, football, play football at the wreck during the day and get up to alcohol related mischief at night. Um, so, what I remember about the, um, the football pitches at the wreck. I don't know if they like that. Like don't know if they are like that now, but they had a lot of stones in them when you were a kid. <laughs> they they were properly lethal. Go for a big slide tackle, rip your leg open. Ouch! Aww. Yeah, so you had to be careful. Um, what else? Had a nice a nice playground. The kids seemed to enjoy it there. It's a good park. It's massive. Did you used to play like ridiculously dangerous games that? 
if you saw someone doing it now, you would just be like, what, well, what the... We used to I'm, so I'm talking... I've got two Go on. significant ones in my mind. So on the swings, you know, you'd have the kind of rubbery padded. Oh, yes, yes. So the, the aim of the game was to swing high <laughs> enough that you could then jump off said swing and land off of the safety Ooh. matting. And I can still feel like, the pains going up my <laughs> shins as you yes. land. Yeah. And then the other one was, uh, what do we call it? Like hang tough or something gladiators related probably. <laughs> Where you'd uh, one of each of you would hang each end of a goalpost, walk with your hands to the middle, and then like sort of attack each other. Really, <laughs> see who, whoever fell off first was the loser. We had one where you had to get from one side of the play, the play structure, to the other without touching the. What would you call it? It's like not the ground. But the bits you walk on, you weren't allowed to t- touch those. So you had to like jump from right, bit yeah. to yeah, bit, yeah. grab on, and then sort of swing, and then sort of balance on the ed- edges and walk across there. It was quite dangerous, um, particularly as at one time there was there was an incident in Burford Common where someone, some charming person, put very broken glass underneath the wood chips oh, in God, the playground. That's horrible. Um, that was one game, but then the other game, then the, the next game just turned into see who could drink the most cheap cider. <laughs> Have you attempted in any recent time to uh, go across monkey bars? <laughs> now, the trouble is, the, it is the hardest. <laughs> the problem I had with monkey bars was that at one point I was just too tall and I was quite tall early, so. I never had monkey bars were never any challenge, which is why I think I have no upper body strength to speak of. That specific reason. That's what you're blaming it on. That's what I'm going with. Being too tall. Yes. Despite working out daily, you've never regretted. Yes, it's never really happened. I mean, yeah. Um, You were just saying about dangerous games, and I wanted to just tell you very quickly about my local park in Bracknell, which was the Jocks Lane Recreation Ground, Um, famous within the borough uh, and the forest. Um, it had, when I was growing up, it had that amazing thing of a zip wire. Oh, so you had a zip wire. Oh, it was, I mean, this thing was lethal. It was t- it was high, mm. and you just hung on it, and you went all the way down, and then you'd go, you'd hit the end, and then you'd go all the way back up, and then back down again, until you kind of stopped at the end. It was just, wow. like, it was, it was absolutely incredible, and the amount of people that just fell off it was, there's a reason it's not there anymore. But the one I really wanted to tell you about, which, I mean, God knows if I w- if I was a parent now, and my kids were going to use this thing, I'd be like, no, just no. So we had uh, a barrel, and it was on um, some sort of mechanism that meant that the barrel would go 360 degrees round, and it would spin round and round. It was like it was proper wood, uh, and it, w- it was like shaped, shaped like a round. You could just go and sit inside it. And this thing would spin around. You'd run in it, almost like a hamster wheel. So it was big enough to stand up in. Yeah, yeah, you right. could stand up in it. And people could go, like, kind of right up the edge and all the way down around. And I think you could, you, to a point, you could go almost upside down in it, and obviously then gravity would take its toll. But the thing that was terrifying about it was all, like, the open kind of workings of it, where it would be would have been very easy for a young kid to get their fingers trapped into it. And, um. I mean, this I mean, this thing was legendary. And I never knew anybody that... Lo- I've no- there aren't a load of people walking out around Bracknell without fingers. But how and how, so how that never happened, I don't know. But it was just this incredible thing that was... just All I look at and think about now is how dangerous it actually was. But it was amazing. Absolutely amazing. Health and safety is a different ball game. Yeah, you wouldn't get now. away with it anymore. So um, that is our random question. Any, anything you want to add to that? I'm just feeling a bit nostalgic now yeah, for the too. Lee Road Gang. <laughs> I feel like I need Zachary to to start his own little gang so I can just tell them off, be a part of it. Tell you, tell him in a really pious way. Oh, there was one the time when we were up there. Um, there was a an old people's home, Batten House. You know it on Lee no. Road that backs onto the park, and the police turned up once to the park uh, because we were dealing drugs <laughs> uh, somebody in the old people's home had reported us so they'd come up to take our drugs away and arrest us or okay. whatever uh, what we were actually doing is sharing out a bag of rainbow pips <laughs> <laughs> uh, you monsters I know, we were just awful <laughs> God. do you want one officer <laughs> 
rainbow pips. Rainbow pips. Um, just before we wrap this up, should we have one more nostalgic ad? Do it. Hugh? Oh, yes. Have the time of your life this Christmas, but go steady on Boxing Day, because come 9am on Friday the 27th, you'll want to be raring to go. We will be. The Great Downs of Newbury Carpet Sale starts 9am Friday. Downs of Newbury on Hambridge Road. Call Newbury 30303. So, uh, just that one was uh, Downs of Newbury, which... When I when when Barry said, "Oh, I've got this one from Downs of Newbury," you'll know it. I was like, "No, never heard of it." As soon as it started, badoo, badoo, dow. So, oh yeah, oh yeah, I know. I remember the advert well. I can tell you what Downs of Newbury actually sells. It's a carpet. I, I, bear in mind, I've just listened to the advert and I can't remember. <laughs> I've already <laughs> forgot. Just if again, if Downs of Newbury is there, it sounds like a wonderful place. Please go there. But that ad is not real. Well, it was so real. Do not trust prices. Don't, don't trust the current ad. prices. They, repeat: these are old adverts. Very old ads. Um, just before we go, here's Jeremy with how you can get in touch with the show. If you enjoy our prattlings about Reading, and if you've come this far, we assume you must be. Please hit subscribe on your podcast app to get the latest episode every Monday morning. You can find us on Twitter at Real Reading Pod and search Facebook and Instagram for Real Reading Podcast. You can also email getreading at reachplc.com. Thanks, Jeremy. Uh, time just for me to check. Rach, have you had a lovely time? I have had a lovely time, thank you. Hugh, have you had a lovely time? Cosmic, mate. Cosmic. Yeah. I'm going to ask you this question every week and you're going to have to come up with different ways of uh, signing off. Yeah. yeah. I've got that which going to go, no. <laughs> <laughs> it was rubbish. Swear. <gasps> Just as long as you talk into the microphone. Okay. Thank you. Um, don't forget, if you have someone you think we should be speaking to on the show, please do get in touch via Facebook or Twitter. Uh, in the meantime, we'll see you next time. He's less tappy holding a mic, though, isn't he? Yes, he is, but, oh, I mean, God, like his face is just never facing it. It's just there or there or there. I'm going to have such a tap when we finish. <laughs> God. <laughs> we'll see you next time. Bye! Bye. You're listening to The Real Reading Podcast. We apparently live in a society where people who go to festivals need to be told that putting their sleeping bags down the toilet is not a, not, not a very good idea. Did you ever watch that programme, uh, Hunted, on Channel yes. 4? Yes, that Did was you brilliant. Did see the yes. one where the guy came out of Reading Station yeah. and chased him all through Reading, yeah. all along the canal, and eventually caught him at the funny Yes, that was brilliant.